Hi everybody and welcome to today's Totem Talks podcast. I'm Mark Smith. I'm Helen Fruin. Today's conversation is going to be a little bit left field. It's going to be much more relaxed as you can see that today's podcast is sponsored by Gin and Tonic. So I would highly recommend grabbing yourself one, assuming that you're in an environment where that's kosher. And uh, just relax because we're going to have a bit of a catch up day. So we've not actually seen each other for a little while. We've been very busy on different things. Uh, we've had some really interesting events take place in terms of workshops and things like that. So it's really just uh, what has come up for us in the last, I don't know, maybe two months that has really caught our attention. Mm. Um, how has COVID perhaps shaped that? What changes are we seeing in our industry? And that's really what today's podcast is all about. So would you like to kick us off? Yeah, I'm going to kick us off with something really uh, immediate in terms of recency effect in the memory, uh, which is a workshop last night on Gravitas, Mm. where undoubtedly, if you're talking about Gravitas, people are going to talk about confidence. How can you have Gravitas if you don't feel confident? And really interesting for me was the point raised about micro behaviours that sabotage your own Gravitas, Mm. or even micro behaviours that sabotage how confident you come across which is very linked to your gravitas so uh, a few examples people shared were uh, well you shared in fact one about reducing the impact of your own opinion yes yeah i do that quite often I don't, i'm not entirely sure why i've not been able to get through to the root of why i do this but for, as an example so i um i'm not sure what the word is presuppose but i start my sentences with i think or I have read, or I have heard. And I then give an idea that is usually mine, in fact, but somehow I feel much safer suggesting my ideas by putting that caveat on it. So this is actually somebody else's thing. I'm just suggesting it. And people go, oh, that's a really good idea. I like that. And But what that means is that I'm taking something away from my ability to influence others. Mm. I'm taking something away from... Um, people's perception of me perhaps i'm certainly taking away a, something away from myself by mm. doing that and i don't usually struggle with confidence but it's one of those micro behaviors that i'm trying quite hard to just nip in the bud because i can sometimes see it creeping in and i can see the effect that it has uh, in terms of my credibility with mm. somebody and i mean for example I, i've literally just got off the phone to someone who is in the in the process of selling their business um sort of giving them some some mentoring and advice in that and i didn't do it i was very conscious to not do it on that phone call and i could hear how much credible i was by just saying this these aren't my ideas this is my knowledge this is my experience and i felt maybe two inches taller because Mm. of that so it was it was really Really interesting vocal just to come off. So it, it links quite nicely to what you're saying. Definitely. And I, I just went to do it. And I think <laughs> with all of this, I mean, how often do we talk about self-awareness? Let's notice that we're doing these things. Let's notice that we are caveating our expertise or mm. reducing the credibility with which we speak. And notice we're doing it because, of course, once it becomes a habit, as you say, what's the root of it? Is it a lack of confidence? Is it wanting to have reassurance in someone else's ideas? The root of it may be 10, 20, many years ago. Mm. Now it will just be a habit. Yeah. 
And so to notice that it's become a habit and choose to change it is really powerful. Yeah. I think that's uh, that definitely came out of the Gravitas workshop. Mm. I think one other thing that came out of, I think, all of the workshops, and I'm not sure if we've talked about this on the podcast before, but practice is absolutely key. You can't, you can't tell yourself to do something and then it just happens. You're not computers. So you, you actually have to practice a bit like a footballer. They can't just turn up on a Saturday and just, you know, be Ronaldo. You, you have to graft. You have to train hard. Yeah, there was a great example yesterday of someone saying uh, if they're going to lecture for students, they prepare their script and they practice in front of the mirror. Whereas when it's a team meeting in the office, they just jot down a couple of bullet points and that's fine. And to your point about football, you know, a footballer wouldn't jot down a couple of bullet points saying I'm going to score some goals. Yeah, yeah. You'd go and practice. You'd go and check yeah. that you've got the practical skill to do that. So, yeah, more practice, the better. Yeah. And I think for things like gravitas and confidence, it's not that hard when you think about it to, to practice those things. I mean, you can practice what you're going to say in front of a mirror. You can practice your posture. When you're out in Tesco shopping, you can hold yourself in a different way. But that's you, you take moments during a day that you would consider to be downtime and you fill them with something that you need to learn. And, you know, a lot of the people on the, on the Gravitas workshop were saying, well, surely this is Gravitas, you either got it or you haven't. Mm-hmm. You're either born with it or you haven't been. It's just not true. It's just, it's practice. And uh, there's quite a lot of psychology actually within, you know, how to have Gravitas and, you know, the psychology of confidence. So... Um, yeah, it's definitely trainable. So that's something for me that's come up recently in workshops. I guess for you, a lot of your work has been on these podcasts. How have you found doing these? I have found them to be uh, an interesting challenge. Obviously, when you start something new like this, your hope is that within about four weeks, you will be uh, an internet sensation and these <laughs> podcasts will have taken over the world and people will be paying for our wisdom um, with very large checks that's obviously not happened which is a shame but what has happened is that it has forced us two to have regular catch-ups and conversations mm. and I think our business is performing better because of the podcast Fascinating. there's a external thing which is you know in terms of our brand and all of those things which are really good and really powerful but actually there's an internal practice mm. It's been really powerful. And I, I, I do wonder, actually, if, if I could recommend this to other businesses to say, well, you know, what what department heads have you got? What, mm. you know, are your COO doing interviews for different people from different parts of the organization? Put these conversations mm. onto your internal network. Uh, make them part of your internal comm strategy. Because I know a lot of big companies have, you know, they have a newsletter and a Sure. All of these different things. I wondered if um, for businesses actually running their own internal stuff would be actually quite powerful. And when you say you're finding that the business is performing better, in what way? Uh, there's a great alignment in thought. There's a great awareness of what everybody else is doing. It's not. It's, I don't think it's having an impact on the bottom line. Mm. It may be a, a tiny one, maybe. But in terms of the way that we're working together, the way that... Um, we're, we're now overlapping our work it's becoming a lot more seamless mm. and I think um, it, it's really quite useful it's a useful thing yeah I agree there's something about uh, 
running workshops, discussing the workshops, discussing our social media strategy, what are we looking at in terms of the book writing and how that's contributing to our brand overall. There's, you know, the more that we're talking about it here, we're getting more aligned in our thinking. That does make a lot of sense. And of course, that makes decision making much quicker mm. because we both tend to be already in a, in a space where we've thought things through. Yeah, I mean, and I thought we made decisions quickly before, <laughs> but, but now it's... Um, it, it is it is lightning quick, and um, I think we've also got a lot more comfortable in terms of when not to ask for help or when the word "sorry, I can't help" makes sense. I, you know, we had a, a a technical issue yesterday with the website, and uh, but we also had client stuff to deliver. Um, you asked for help, I was unable to do it, and it it was it was now obvious why mm. um, we couldn't support each other in that sense. And um, the word no was used and it was okay. And it, it's, it's kind of a liberating thing to see when, when different areas of our business are actually under, under a little strain. I don't think we had that before, um, but now we do. So very positive. You did mention the book just mm-hmm. then. Now, this is a, a fascination of mine, your book, because... <laughs> your book. Your book. <laughs> because you, you, you do, you do, you have, what, maybe six or seven different interviews so far. So you're doing the research behind it. Um, you had uh, an interview today, in fact. Uh, so how is the book going? And as, as your sort of business manager here, how on earth is it going to contribute to the bottom line? <laughs> So let me answer the first question first and then I can work out what on earth to say for the second one. Uh, How's it going? It's going really well. The journey to exploring my own experience and knowledge and all of the expertise I've gained by training people on having good conversations, but also learning from them. So when delegates come back, you know, one of the great things about having programs over time is that you say something one month and two months later, someone comes back and says, I tried that. Here's what worked well. Here's what totally didn't work. So I'm learning from the people who are learning from me. And so reflecting on all of that learning and putting that into the structure of a book is a really fascinating and rewarding experience Mm. as well. And then on top of that, having the interviews, I'm learning from other people's experience and what they've learnt over their years. I mean, today's conversation, and this will be our podcast next Friday. Wow. You know, this is a woman who has... uh, considered suicide a number of times come out the other side of that and is now sharing her story and what led into those attempted suicide or or considering suicide was a big scary conversation Mm. and reflecting on that I mean goodness you just can't get any bigger than that and to listen to her share her learning is just incredible Uh, so it's a very powerful experience it's a rewarding experience uh, and it's a challenging one to uh, commit the time to sit down and do the writing, definitely. And are there, is the research influencing the outcome of the book? Is it following the path that you thought it would? Or are you coming up with new ideas and new, and new things to follow? Uh, good question. I, I don't think they're new ideas or new thoughts to follow, but they're maybe putting them in different ways. And, and what's so powerful in the book is having other people's stories. Mm. So it's not just the world according to Helen. It's here's a story from Andrea. Here's a story from Ali about what they've experienced and how they have had these principles that I'm talking about in the book come to, come to life in their lives. Mm. Excellent. 
So then to your, uh, how does it contribute to the business question? Mm -hmm. uh, there's a number of aspects to that. So one is branding. I mean, we're talking about the book right now. I'm talking about the book on LinkedIn. I'm doing these interviews and there is a credibility that comes from, oh, oh, you're writing a book. You know, that suggests you have something to say. It suggests you have some expertise. So there's a general kind of branding opportunity that comes from writing a book. The other part then, I suppose, is where you start interviewing people who will want to use the book in their organizations. Mm. So let's say, for example, that someone I interviewed for the book was an HR director of company X, and then the book comes out, they want to uh, share the book all around company X because they've contributed to the book. Maybe they then want to have the book author come in and run some training off the back of it. So the book becomes another marketing tool to yeah get get our expertise get our name out there ah marketing there we go that infamous department that just spend money mm. or do they or do they or do they or do they so listeners now is the time that we share with you something really weird that has happened in totem towers <laughs> But as you all know, because we plug them quite often, we've been running open workshops. We have. And it was a, it was a dipping the toe into uh, the B2C market. So we've yeah. always been business to business. And this is us being business to consumer, going straight to an individual and saying, would you like to buy a workshop for a few pennies? Mm. And it was just, you know, it's COVID. It's all about pivoting. Let's try something different. Let's see how it goes. Dip a toe in the water. What has that actually done for us? It's presented us with six new business opportunities yeah I, I have been quite surprised actually uh, I, I think the, the first thing to to say to our our business listeners um yeah that there it's not a lot of money we've made from those things well there are a few pennies each so absolutely yeah. it's not like we've made a ton of money marketing no, our business no. but we never set out for this to be a marketing activity no and that's that's what it's become it's it's, it's really confused me yeah. i've got to admit i'm surprised um i'm delighted absolutely obviously. i'll take six new business opportunities yeah. but yeah so it's I've, I've literally got no idea what we're going to do with this going forward and i think the next sort of maybe four weeks or something is is time for us to sort of sit down and think about well ha, this clearly had a really positive impact in terms of our sales pipeline uh, in terms of the communications and the relationships that we're building with people i think though where the courses haven't surprised me um is that both of our energy levels when we come off of those those workshops are really high and it's because we've we've found a way to get back to the sort of one-to-one -one or the one-to-two sort of learning groups again and to see someone's journey over a 90-minute period where they, they they come on the call they have all these questions about you know how do I build my confidence and gravitas in a situation for them to then leave after 90 minutes uh, with a at, at the very least a, a real clear strategy on how to do that uh, that's been as rewarding for me so it's i feel like i've got my mojo back a little bit <laughs> it, whereas previously without having that regular contact with other people yes um I, I was struggling to connect my values within the business to my activity i was just pumping stuff out on linkedin and ooh, i'm not a big fan of social media as everyone can probably guess and um so yeah this has really reinvigorated uh, sort of my energy levels for for working here yeah. fantastic I'll take that.
business opportunities, engaged directors, people who are feeling motivated, all sounds very good. Yeah, um, and like I said, it, it, I almost don't want to admit that we didn't, we hadn't planned for that because that just sounds like we're just <laughs> bumbling along. We, we, we are a little bit, um, but yeah. So, so the idea that, that these these new things are coming up is actually really important. And I think it's an important lesson for other people in that you do have to try things mm. in order to discover new things. That, that makes perfect sense. If you do the same thing again and again, you're never going to discover anything new. You're never going to be surprised. And that's that's really the application point for anyone sort of in a, in a, in a larger organization. Give yourself permission to just try something. Mm. And then I'm, I'm almost certain you'll be surprised um, about what comes up. And some of it will be really, really useful. Mm. As much as learning what not to do yeah, as learning yeah. what to do. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Anything else that stood out for you the past few weeks, months? Uh, like you say, COVID has been an interesting time. We've spoken in previous podcasts about we how we have pivoted the business in various ways. Anything else that's been standing out for you in this time? I think what's standing out to me now is that everybody's getting very comfortable with online working. Mm-hmm. And... I'm I'm mighty impressed by the speed with which an entire society has pivoted towards online working. Um, I think it's a healthy thing in places. I think it's a not healthy thing in other mm. places. And I'm really curious to see how things develop over the next sort of six months when potentially we're allowed back into the workplace. It has a massive implication for the way that town centres work, for the way that large corporate offices work. How do we employ people? I mean, you know, all of the all of the coffee shop owners in the centre of London right now are are in big trouble. Uh, but all of the coffee shop owners in sort of suburbia probably aren't actually because there's more people working from home. It's society wide changes are taking place, and it's the online. Thing that has really triggered that because people can do their jobs quite effectively from home not always so yeah it's it's that that's that's been most impressive to me mm. and i think it will be fascinating to see how we adapt to that i mean i've seen reports in the newspaper telling people to go back to work get back into london you've, you've got to help these businesses survive and there's a part of my brain saying why do we have to make sure these businesses survive? Do we just recognise that the economy in the world has changed and therefore those businesses will change just as they will have changed years ago when we didn't have eight coffee shops next door to each other? Um, I think one thing that has come up for me as well is I've been very, very careful during COVID to to choose where I spend my money. Mm. That's That's been quite a, an interesting change for me. Before, it was always about getting it cheap but now when I see that I can actually potentially support a business and a lot of people's livelihoods by do, by making the right choice or by making consistent choices, even if it's costing me a little bit more, um, my spending habits have changed in that sense. So I'm a big fan of John Lewis. I love them. I think Waitrose and everyone who works there are just wonderful customer experience. And I want to support that. It means paying more for my food. It means paying more for, not necessarily my, my IT or anything like that, but I'm now very conscious of how my money is now supporting other people's livelihoods. So yeah, it's, 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 that's, that's a 
big personal change for me. Mm. So there you go. A little bit different. Bit of a just check in and mm. what's happening. Uh, next time, next week on our podcast, we'll hear from Andrea Newton on uh, these very difficult conversations that she has faced. So join us then. And uh, in the meantime, hit subscribe, sign up to all of our good stuff and we'll send more psychology and neuroscience your stuff your way in weeks to come. Thank you, everybody. Have a great day. Bye.